Hello, my name is Larry Lannon, the writer behind the local Fishers Indiana news blog, LarryInFishers.com. I started the blog in January of 2012, and it is still going. Four years after that, in 2016, I started the LarryInFishers.com podcast series featuring guests of local interest. That podcast is still going strong. Now, if you like the podcast and are listening on a platform such as iTunes, I'll just take a moment, rate and comment on my podcast series. It's time now for the latest LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm at the Hamilton East Library in downtown Fishers. We're in the Ignite studio space in the AV room, and I'm here with Carrie Lively. Carrie Lively is the executive director of the Pursuit Institute of Hamilton County. And uh, Carrie, welcome. Great to have you with me today. Thank you, Larry. Thanks for having me. Well, and uh, there's so much we can talk about. And I must tell you, I've been writing a lot about the Hamilton Southeastern Schools uh, being the final school system in Hamilton County to join up with with Pursuit. All the other five school systems had already been there by the time HSC had come on board. So I've been writing about this. And I try to give a quick kind of rundown on what Pursuit is. But the most often asked question I have is when I write about the Pursuit Institute, it's like, okay, what is the Pursuit Institute? So that's my first question to you. Just tell us as an institution what you are. Great. That's the question I get most often as well. (laughs) Uh, The Pursuit Institute is a locally driven uh, initiative to offer career and technical education opportunities to students in Hamilton County. Uh, It was an initiative uh, that was funded by the Hamilton County Council and commissioners um, with the support of the uh, six school superintendents. So this has been a conversation for many years of how we can better prepare our students for the next step, whether that's college or career, and uh, how we can do that closer to home and make this more equitable for all students. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. We're going to get into some of the specifics of that. Let me start off with your mission statement. I read that on your website, and I'm going to quote that right here. Your mission statement is, to create a holistic system that enables the successful transition of students into connected post-secondary educational institutions as well as an equally accessible community of engaged employers. So again, there's a whole lot to unpack there as well. Explain how you chose that mission statement. The mission statement really, I mean, is is encapsulating what the goal of of education in general is. Um, So we, we want all students to go through an educational system where they're ready for that next step whether that is college, whether that is career, whether that is is something in between. And so really looking at the way we can do that, um, there have been some barriers for public education, for charter schools, for private education for years in terms of how we can authentically connect students to what the world of work might look like. And so really the goal is that we connect students to their community and whatever their post-high school plans are, 
they have connections within Hamilton County. We want them to come back to Hamilton County to live, to work, to play, and, and really start to um, expand our community with, with, with a growing talent base, uh, which will then become an economic development driver as well. And there's a lot to unpack there as well. We'll talk more <laughs> about a lot, a lot of things you just mentioned. One thing that I remember seeing, this was two or three years ago, it was a major corporate executive. I want to say it's IBM, but it could, it's a company of that ilk who gave a speech and, and said that you know college he's going to need some people with with college educations but what he's really looking for in the coming 10 years are people with certifications mm -hmm. they're often two-year certifications could be a little less could be a little more but certified to perform a certain kind of task it could be IT it could be uh, um, security for the IT system was a whole long list of mm -hmm. things where you would uh, not necessarily get a four-year degree, but get some sort of, of certification. Does that tie in with what you plan to do? You know, absolutely. Our employers for so long in Indiana have really just been looking for a warm body that can show up on time and pass a drug test. And we want to help employers move past that as the baseline of, of hiring individuals. We would love to have a, a talent pipeline of, of individuals who have uh, skills on the job experience and, and really have found their passion in an industry. And, and with high school education, that's, that's kind of hard. We can't teach kids all occupations that are available, but it, but if we deliberately give kids the opportunity to explore and experience, then we can hopefully get those certifications in their hand before they leave high school, or at least help them to make better decisions post-secondary of what they want to do. Yeah, and that's interesting because I ask this question a lot of people in, who do the kind of work you do, it, and it's it's this. It basically comes down to this: when you are trying to train these students. There are really a couple of different ways you're doing it. One, there are some certifications that you can actually obtain while you're in high school, leave high school and go to work. Others, you are preparing to go into a program for certification. Talk a little bit about how that whole system works, because I think that's foreign to a lot of us who are myself or older. Sure. A great example would be in, in the healthcare system. So students who may want to pursue healthcare in high school really have kind of three tracks. They could go into nursing, they could go into dentistry, they could go into pharmacy. Um, that's that's pretty much the limit of what students can experience. So we know that the healthcare system includes much more than health than, than nursing, pharmacy, and, and dentistry. So how do we give students an authentic experience to view what the world of healthcare really could look like. So uh, a program that we have developed is uh, to help students gain certifications. So one of those being a, um, a certified nurse assistant, so a CNA certification. That's not a new certification. Kids all over the state get that certification while in high school. What we're doing with that certification, though, is giving students an opportunity to not only work in the long-term healthcare facilities, but we're packaging that certification with a phlebotomy certification or a CCMA certification. That stackable credential now gives students a new experience. They're able to go into the hospital and work. And when you're in the hospital, you see things like the lab, you see the ER, you see radiology, you see all of these other aspects of healthcare that you don't get in high school. And so by stacking certifications, we're giving kids an opportunity to leave high school with, with a, 
an opportunity to make a, a great wage, um, but also we've given them the experience to know what their next step might be. Maybe they want to be a lab technician um, through that phlebotomy experience, but maybe they realized from that experience that they want to go into radiology. And now we're helping them make more informed decisions about what their career path might look like. Yeah, and I, I don't. I want to get into some more examples, but before I do that, I want to go back to something else that uh, that you mentioned and how this whole Pursuit Institute was created. You know, David Day has been the attorney for HSC schools. He actually served on the school board mm-hmm. many years ago, and um, he was at a work session where this was all discussed. I'm not sure you were there, but he basically said that, as far as he's concerned, for at least 40 years. Hamilton County has talked about something like a Pursuit Institute because everyone's doing the CTE that you talked about in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, HSC was partnering with J. Everett Light Center at North Central High School in Marion County uh, to get some of that done. Some, some of it was done internally and with those instructors, and some people were going to J. Everett Light. So it, and all the school systems in Hamilton County had similar sorts of partnering with other entities to get that done. And so after all this time, 40 plus years, and I got to give the Hamilton County commissioners and and the Hamilton County council credit because this has been talked about for so long, those people decided to do something Mm -hmm. and had they not done something, meaning funding, doing the seed funding to put pursuit Institute together, this never would have happened. Correct. It's 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 pretty phenomenal to think that uh, the the longest standing superintendent has been uh, in the county for I believe fifteen years, and his report is for fifteen years we've been talking about this. So I don't think David Day is off too much on on the fact that this conversation has been an, an ongoing conversation. Um, there are career centers all over the state of Indiana that are phenomenal that provide top-notch education and training for students um, in, in a multitude of, of pathways. The problem is, is that students don't have equitable access to those programs. When you have 15 schools competing for a class of 30 seats, you can't equitably give students an opportunity to experience that class. So if we're able to bring courses and pathways into our community where we have six schools that are combining together to fill a classroom or to offer pathways um, across the county, not just not just one classroom. Now we're really starting to, to chip away at, at what of our some of our workforce pipeline issues. And the six school districts are very different. I mean, you you, you mentioned that uh, you're a product of Hamilton Heights, a very old yeah. Sheridan has its own identity. Then you go to a place like Carmel and Westfield and Noblesville, Fishers. Uh, actually, it's Hamilton Southeastern Schools, which is much more than Fishers. It takes in all of Fishers, but more than that. And and you know, HSC is by far the largest of the six and the fourth largest in the state, if you're using student count as, as your barometer on that. So it's interesting to me. I think one of the roadblocks in the past has been, well, Hamilton Heights is a small, Sheridan small. They all have their own identities. The fact that all these school systems, with the counties you know, push there because they're willing to fund it, They've all come together now, and they're all going to tap into you to do the CTE education. That's a big step forward. It's fantastic. The, that's one of the 
the pieces of, of this puzzle that I'm most proud of is, is the collaboration that has happened among six school districts which have historically kind of competed for students. They've competed, um, you know, for, for graduation um, percentages and, and, and really kind of celebrate why we're the best, you know, in, in comparison to other schools in the state and the county. And so this authentic collaboration and, and realizing that the rising tide lifts all boats it is really uh, inspiring. And, and I, I, I would argue that uh, other communities across the state are looking at what Hamilton County is doing. The number of, of calls and, and inquiries that I've received of in, invitations to come and talk to other communities, um, they're seeing this as a viable option to, to really um, do better for their students. One discussion that happened within the HSC school board was, okay, we've got six school superintendents in a meeting. What if they split three to three and does nothing happen? And, and David Day, again, has been around a long mm-hmm. time in this game, and he's just, he said, look, school systems have collaborated for a long time, and he gave special education as one of those examples where it's not like you're, you're having a, a, a vote of an elected body like a school board. What you do, you know, school superintendents or whoever's there to, to, to represent that school district in a meeting, will come together. They'll find a way forward. It's not like you've got three here and three there and you're deadlocked. It's like everybody figures out a way to move forward together. So it's a little different dynamic than I think a lot of, and that a lot of us understand. And, and once the school, our school board understood that, I think that was a big step toward moving forward. Absolutely. And and that we've been working together with those six school boards prior to any official vote. So uh, we've been working for the past year and a half on, um, you know, conversations with our superintendents and, and realizing, you know, what visions of, of different districts align and, and where, you know, there there may be some cohesive opportunity to, to, to move forward. So that, that really is the collaboration piece is what is going to make this unique and successful. Before I became a volunteer journalist 11 years ago, I made a living doing it. Then I went to work for government. And what I learned through all that experience is that terminology, the the language we use is extremely important. And when I went to school in ancient times, (laughs) uh, we called this vocational education. So if you're talking to somebody like me or even somebody a little younger than myself, you mentioned CTE, career technical education. It's like, what's that? You say vocational education, that has some meaning to them. Mm-hmm. So I think we all have to be careful, define our terms, realize that CTE is similar, almost the same thing as what we used to call vocational education, just put a different name on it. Absolutely. It's exactly the same thing. And an interesting tip, Larry, is that the United States is the only country in the world that uses the term career and technical education, CTE. And that was a decision that was made um, maybe th- 20, 30 years ago, I don't know exactly. But for, for some reason, um, the term vocational education was was associated with some sort of stigma that if you're a vocationally educated or trained person, that you're not a, a college-bound person. Um, you, the United States is, is one of the very few places in the world that sees that there's a discrepancy between vocational education and post-secondary education. Well, I'm no expert on this. You probably know more about this than I do, but particularly in places like Europe and Australia, mm-hmm. uh, you find there's a different path to jobs than we have here. You know, Obviously, you know, college is, is emphasized, but if you want to go into some kind of craft that maybe not necessarily tied to a college education, you know, we don't 
necessarily have the formalized internships and and other programs where people go into a job and learn it over a period of time where in Europe they have those mm-hmm. and and so that's very interesting you mentioned that perhaps putting another name on it uh, changes the way people look at it right and, and you know occupations like nursing in Germany that's an apprenticeship program that is not a college prep program so other places in the world realize the value of learning on the job and and applying those and not to devalue the academic piece and, and the liberal arts piece of, a, of an education experience but the goal for all students, whether that is you want to be a, a fabricator or whether you want to be an anesthesiologist, is that you have on-the-job experience and, and you have a direct pathway to do that. And so um, we want all of our students to have a CTE experience, again, whether that's a, a professional degree or whether that's an associate degree or that those are certifications. Let me bring back uh, what HSC has, has done for years, partnering with J. Everett Light Center in North Central. And mm-hmm. I think they've enjoyed that, that partnership. They, it was not a matter of them wanting to part with them, but it was getting very expensive for them. And I'll talk about, I'll talk about funding later. Mm-hmm. But give me some examples, if you can, where let's say an HSC student might have used J. Everett Light Center, but they'll be using Pursuit now. Sure. So... HSE, a few years ago, um, I believe back in like 2015-16, was able to partner with J. Everett Light and offer courses on their campus. So that is a game changer. When you can keep students in your building and you can offer those those high technical courses and and, and embedded certifications and hands-on experience – you're able to to reach more students. And HSE and Fishers were able to um, offer three or four different programs that were CT programs um, through J. Everett Light and offer it on their campus. They were able to reach 100, 200 more students than anyone else in the county because those, those kids got to stay in their building. Um, some of those programs aren't offered in the building, automotive service or... Um, Oh, gosh, um, maybe a culinary arts class. So if a student wanted to attend um, a, an automotive service or culinary arts class, they would have to leave their school and go to um, Jarrett Light. The idea is that if we can expand programming in the school buildings, we know that's the most equitable access for students. We know that if students don't have to leave, we're removing barriers of transportation, we're removing barriers of time and scheduling, and that really is the ultimate goal. But in order to get to that point, we have to have students who have become interested in uh, the new opportunities that are available to them. So a program like Culinary Arts that was um, housed at, at Javert Light, um, that will now be housed in a, in a local um, employer or a local uh, community partner where students from all over the, the county can go to a singular location and get that same opportunity to learn and, 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 and to, to be certified in, in whatever pathway that might be. Um, that will be replicated over um, multiple 
career uh, clusters, so agriculture, business, um, hospitality, and tourism. There are so many clusters that, that students don't have access to. For example, at Hamilton Southeastern and agriculture, we were talking earlier that that used to be a driver of, of um, the academic coursework at, at Hamilton Southeastern. Um, students who, who don't have access to agriculture courses at Hamilton Southeastern or, or Carmel or, or wherever that might be, by creating an opportunity um, at Connor Prairie to learn about animal science or about horticulture, those become accessible for all students. And it doesn't rely on a school corporation having a teacher, having a, a facility, having the equipment to teach those types of courses. Yeah, I, I know that the city has partnered with HSC schools and uh, the, the Connor Prairie has partnered mm-hmm. with HSC schools already. And you're, I think what you're talking about is expanding that Correct. a great deal. Uh, Fishers has, uh, in the Parks Department, has something called the Agri-Park, which uh, you and I talked about this uh, before we started recording. Our mayor, Scott Fadness, grew up on a farm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think it was kind of his brainchild to put this farm kind of park together. And uh, there are students that work that Agri-Park. So I think this fits into exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You want to have uh, a program whether it's in the school or someplace, if you're going to leave the school, someplace that maybe all of Hamilton County can use, whether it's a restaurant or a farm or whatever it might be, that's that's very interesting. I would like to kind of ex- stay on that, that that whole idea because one question I do receive by people who do know what Pursuit Institute is, mm-hmm. is, okay, what are the students going to be offered? And I know you don't have a whole course catalog yet, but you're you're working on that, I know. So I think examples may be the best way to explain this. Can you give me some examples, maybe you haven't had a chance to mention yet, of where HSD, HSC students can hook up with Pursuit to uh, to pursue some kind of a, uh, a program? Sure. Well, we have developed a course catalog. Okay. Um, I will go back to that um, when I was hired in um, – in, in July of 2021, there were certain benchmarks that needed to take place in order for the state to recognize or, or designate that Hamilton County is its own uh, CTE service center. So there are a lot of legal um, steps that had to be taken to make sure that those were in place. That was really the definition of, of my job, was to make sure that we could check those boxes and become a recognized career and technical education authority. Knowing that we could check all of those boxes and be deemed from the state as, as an eligible entity, not having programming did not, did not work in the, in, in the equation. We had to also set up programming so that students would have an opportunity to transition from the current service provider into new programs. So we have developed in the course of a year 16 um, new pathways and programs that are, we're calling pursuit programs. Those range from agriculture to healthcare. Um, we have uh, hospitality and tourism. We have, gosh, I should have written That's all okay. of these down. But there's there's 16 programs mm-hmm. that kind of cover, um, I believe, six or seven different career clusters. So students who are uh, engaged or would like to experience um, Agriculture. That's that's one that's offered in just a couple of our schools. Um, so, if if students from Hamilton Southeastern wanted to experience you know, vet science, horticulture, uh, natural resources, those are pathways that are now available to them that were not available before, and the experience uh, embedded 
in those pursuit programs is unlike an experience that can be replicated in a, a standard K-12 classroom. Um, any science lab could probably teach natural resources. But again, when you move that science lab in a community facility where there's a river, where there's wildlife, where there is um, an opportunity for kids to uh, see the world of natural resources, uh, not only through the lens of a book, but to go out and experience it, that brings education to life. And so the pursuit programs really are focused on creating an experience that can't be replicated in your standard classroom. Not that the standard classroom is, is missing the mark, but if we can elevate that and, and have students experience um, a, a pathway that has multiple intersections, then we're giving kids, again, a, a, an authentic experience that will help them decide what they want to do after high school. I, I noticed something on your, your webpage. You talked about different efforts you have. You, have, you list one effort as sustainable pathways. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? So a lot of times with, with education, there are grants or there's money that comes and goes. Um, what we're doing, we don't want to be contingent upon. We get that grant next year. You know, we want to make sure that what we're building is financially sustainable, is, is um, sustainable from, from a, a space perception, that we're not just utilizing a space that's here now that's going to be gone next year. Um, so we're making sure that we're developing relationships that are, are long-term. We're, we're, we're playing the long game on this one. We're, we're making sure that what we build out for students um, – is not going to be gone in, in you know, next year or, or two years from now. Want to make sure that students have um, kind of this this plan moving forward. That what I want to do next year will be there. It's not going to to be canceled or, or go away. And that leads me to my next question. And one of the discussions that happened, and you were there for many of them, when the HSC school board was considering mm-hmm. uh, joining the Pursuit Institute. A lot of the discussion centered around funding, mm-hmm. and some of the funding comes from the federal government, some comes from the state, some comes from a variety of sources. So I sat through those meetings and listened to that complex funding formula. You're talking to a retired tax law specialist for the government, so I know something about complicated funding formula, formulas, if you will, and it's just mind-boggling. So I know that's hard to do, but in in this setting, in, in a podcast, mm-hmm. uh, just to orally explain that uh, through speech is, is not always easy. But as best you can, explain how HSC schools and Pursuit will be working with each other on, on how to fund all these programs. Okay. So the way that funding works um, in kind of the easiest term is um, schools are given an ADM fund, which that's a per pupil or per per student um, amount of money. That is basically the school budget. So that ADM money covers the cost of teachers, covers the cost of the overhead, you know, all of those types of things um, come come through the ADM. When a student is enrolled in a particular course, a a CTE or career and tech ed course, um, most of those courses, there is an associated cost that is above and beyond that of a, of a non-CTE course. So think of a, um, a course in engineering. Um, 
compare that to a course in English. The materials and uh, equipment needed to effectively teach students engineering, whether that be um, you know computer equipment or whether that be uh, you know tools and 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 resources from that perspective, um, there's a, there that's a discrepancy. So those. Courses like engineering, like uh, healthcare, like dentistry, um, are funded at a higher level. So every student who's enrolled in a course that's designated CTE, uh, there is as a wage or a funding schedule that goes along with those courses, um, and then the the next pocket of funding which we've talked about so ADM career and tech ed, um, the final funding is Perkins funding, and Perkins funding is a federal grant. Uh, the Perkins um, funding model was, I believe, um, instituted in the early 1900s and has been reauthorized again and again. Um, The goal of the Perkins funding really was to get uh, individuals skilled up coming back from war. So using uh, federal money to um, have those individuals coming back from from World War I trained so that they could do jobs within within um, the United States. And that has uh, two tracks now. There is uh, the Perkins funding for adults, which still funds, um, you know, technical training, but there's now that high school piece. So Perkins funding is one of those formulas that I don't understand, Larry. Uh, I can't explain how, how they identify Perkins funding. Um, and I, I, I haven't met somebody that can explain it to me. I've asked quite a few times. But essentially, Perkins funding is generated by your student population. So it's not connected to students who are in career and tech ed, but is, it is directed toward career and technical education expansion. So um, Perkins funding is sent from the federal government to the state. Altogether, schools receive ADM money, and they receive CTE money for courses they offer. Without, beca- without having a CTE um, designation, without the Pursuit Institute, that Perkins funding goes to the eligible recipient. And in our situation, Hamilton County and HSE situation, that was Javert Light. Mm-hmm. So Javert Light received all of that Perkins funding, and they were able to use some of that funding and, and invest in the welding lab or invest in the, the health sciences lab that they were doing at, at HSE. But um, for years, for 50 years, that Perkins funding was not sent to HSE. So now by having the Pursuit Institute in place, that Perkins funding will come to the Pursuit Institute, and we will then push that Perkins funding to HSE, where they can invest all of their money into the programs that they see fit. It's interesting because you had uh, explained this to the school board. I, les- I listened carefully mm-hmm. about the Perkins funding, and it is a, it's a, it's a difficult concept uh, to, to, to explain if you want to know every little detail about it. But in general, I think it was a good explanation you just gave. And I can remember talking to some people at HSE. So, you know, we love Jay Everett Light. They do good work, and mm-hmm. our students get a lot out of it. But we cannot always get every student into every class we want because they're going to place their students in there mm-hmm. first. And uh, so what you're saying is, HSE students will have a better chance of getting into a class they want through this system. Am I hearing you correctly? Yes. Um, the, the pool will be much smaller. We're not competing against 15 schools. Um, and the opportunities are expanded, 16 new programs. And then we take into consideration you know, programs that are offered at, at, at schools that HSE could take 
um, criminal justice from Noblesville. And so having that collaboration and, and not having your zip code define your educational experience is it's, it's, it's transformational for students. It's transformational for schools. If you think about a, a program that, let's just use criminal justice, that maybe there are seven kids at HSE that would love to get into criminal justice. Seven kids isn't really enough to justify hiring a teacher, setting up a classroom, getting the equipment. But if there's seven from HSE and there's four from Noblesville and there's four from Carmel and three from Hamilton Heights and you see how we can start to now not only meet the needs of, of students at, at HSE, but we're meeting the needs of students at other schools that, again, couldn't justify standing up a new program. You know, we talked earlier before we started recording the, the fact that you have been a classroom teacher. That was your training and you were a teacher for many years. How does that experience help you in this job? I have I have a I like to think of it as a, as a little bit of a niche. Um, I was a classroom teacher. Uh, I went back to school and um, became a school counselor. And I remember early in my school counseling career, I was approached um, by my administration asking me to put a group of seniors into a second study hall, very small school. And um, that did not set well with me. I, I couldn't justify students who were seniors in high school getting on, ready to go on to that next step um, to have another non-credit class that, that wasn't pushing them forward. So I started to investigate how we can create partnerships. And um, in, in this small community, my biggest partner was the local hospital. Mm. And the hospital is not just healthcare. The hospital's business. The hospital is food service. The hospital is all of these, like a little kind of community of everything. And so my students were able to get experiences in accounting and experiences in healthcare and experiences um, in, in all of these aspects and not take a second study hall. And that ignited my passion. Me f helping kids find their passion was what really drove me. Um, I became a, a school administrator and then um, was at Noblesville High School until about 2016 when I had the opportunity to go and work for the state. Uh, the first couple of years in that role were research and development. I got to travel across the country and identify work-based learning and apprenticeship programs that work in other parts of the country and bring back a model for Indiana. And, and through that work in Indiana, I, I had uh, regional directors who were kind of boots on the ground working with education and industry, bringing them together and creating these pipelines um, for, for talent and, 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 and to keep their local economy going. And so this is the first time in my, my career that I can say I'm doing what I meant to do. And it, that's a humbling comment, um, but it's so very true. Um, understanding career in tech ed was not something that I was trained to do as an educator. Understanding um, workforce development was not something that was specifically trained or, th or that educators are trained to know how to do. And so I think what I have is, is that workforce um, experience and, and the, the education, um, the knowledge of, of CTE and education and, and, and school law and that, and that sort of thing, to, to be able to kind of couple those together in a, uh, a program that is kind of pushing the traditional bounds of what education looks like. 
Well, I've tried to ask as many questions as I can. Is there anything yet you would like to add before we wrap this up? No, I, I appreciate the, uh, the interest and the support. I do uh, wholeheartedly believe that this is transformational for students, for our communities, for, um, for Indiana. I think that um, what we're doing here is on the, on the edge of something great. And there, there is a lot of interest and a lot of eyes on Hamilton County. Um, my goal is to change the world. And I think that we can do that through education and um, knowing that there's so much support and so much interest, not only from a, from, you know, our, our K-12 system or our, our, our local um, and, and county governments, but um from our business and industry wanting to engage and wanting to figure out how they can not just be consumers of our educational systems, but now producers of that educational system uh, is, is exciting. And, and I think there's a lot, a lot more to come. Well, I've learned a lot just talking with you, and I'm very glad you were able to make time to speak with me today. Carrie Lively is the executive director of the Pursuit Institute of Hamilton County. So thank you so much for spending some time with me. Thanks for listening to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. If you'd like to comment on my blog, please do so with any suggestions. In the meantime, please be safe and be kind.